0: record on this computer
1: got it okay
0: right ladies and gentlemen well in fact let's do the three two one ladies and gentlemen welcome back to broken Oars. we don't have a guest with us we are going to have a little bit of a chat about a few recent incidents a few thoughts we've been having on the joy that is the sport of rowing and I think The first thing that we should say is to take a moment to, rather than mourn the passing of, celebrate the life of Dr. Tim Senior, a man who gave a significant proportion of his professional career to the sport of rowing and did so very successfully. And uh, yes, I I will not mourn his passing. I, I will celebrate his achievements. Dr. Tim Senior, we salute you.
1: We do. This is, for those who aren't aware, the gentleman who um, died at the recent head race, uh, I believe it was in Henley, Was that is that correct?
0: Uh, yeah. Henley 4s and 8s head. He was rowing, I believe, in the 8, um, the Masters D8 for um, Upper Thames Rowing Club, um, of whom he was a significant stalwart.
1: Yes, and I believe it was the Liverpool manager Bill Shankly who once said something along the lines of, football is not a matter of life and death, it is much more important than that. He was obviously talking about football and therefore talking absolute and utter nonsense. As rowers, we know how important rowing is to ourselves in terms of our identity and who we are and the people that we meet and the communities that it brings us into contact with and there are times when we are young and daft and we are chasing things like head of the river places and henley entries and that kind of thing where rowing can seem to be the most important thing in life but what was important about um dr pierce was the fact that his life was full well lived and he will be missed and we celebrate him
0: indeed here's to you probably on two slightly happier notes from that I, I believe um i believe the the traveling circus of the british universities um championship sports is that it? what does buck stand for
1: british university sports council i i okay. think busk. I have, yeah busk, or the, busk. british busk. university council of sport
0: possibly the, Bucks. one of those one, one of those, those. But they've had, they've had a shindig around your way.
1: Yeah, well, they, I think they cover all sports. They cover things like taekwondo and, and BMXing and, and mountaineering and stuff. But the one that really matters, in fact, the only one that they should be covering is, of course, the annual um, lash up and down, the tine, the Tyne, the mighty Tyne, the queen of all the rivers. Uh, and I've substituted the word mucky for the word mighty there uh, in the original rhyme. Because last weekend, we had books. We had books on the tine, the Tyne, the mighty Tyne. And it was a glorious celebration of all that is good about rowing, about being young, and smashing a boat down interesting water.
0: And uh, so when we are recording, it was about a week ago. Were you helping out with this one, or were you merely spectating?
1: i turned up to help out on the saturday because obviously all the clubs that are around our stretch of water so you have uh, durham uh, university which shares a, a compound with tyne united you've got tyne amateur across the water from us and you have newcastle university um, boat club on the other side of Newburn Bridge. We all come together um, to, you know, make sure that there's there's a place to get a cup of coffee and a, and a slice of cake or something hot to eat, you know, before or after your race. It's a place to get showered. And also because of the sheer number of people who come up, the sheer number of university clubs who come up, the sheer number of boats, the sheer number of competitors. And and wonderfully, the sheer number of mums and dads who walk up and down the Tyne tow- towpaths, going, "Jesus Christ, it really is the frozen north up here." Um, I was on steps duty uh, on the afternoon Saturday, so for the second division on Saturday, and I think, Blue, and that you'd probably agree that I, I like to cultivate something of a sesquipedalian grumpiness a kind of loquacious i am old and grumpy and i hate everyone so can i just say to anyone who was at books and who launched off my steps on saturday you have given me uh, a huge amount of hope for the future everyone was every young person because i'm now old was polite engaged um, listened to what i wanted them to do in order to get them off and on the water safely and we're just an absolute joy and delight to be around. And no, there is no punchline. I mean this sincerely, and that's gonna be hard for people to come to terms with.
0: So you're being nice about young people who row and maybe fitter than both of us put together. Yes. And actually have a dangerously high likelihood of being 2075 yes which uh, i which i'm 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 starting i'm starting to think about you know a man of my advancing years and realizing oh 2075 that's not that long away uh, far away really is it and then i start to think so bloody hell i'm not gonna make it which is yeah. which is irritating but there you go
1: yeah um they 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 were wonderful. I, I will say one thing about one coach who who got his boat to the water, and as I was holding strokes rigger, decided to have the team briefing about what he wanted them to do in the race there on the steps with sixteen other eights waiting, you know, up and down the towpath and in the compound with the boat at, at shoulders. To go, right, girls, well, what I want you to do is this. And and when you start off, and I said, right, ladies, what I'd like you to do is this. I'm sure that you know what your race plan is. If we could have stroke side holding, bow side in, that would be great. Fantastic. Okay. And let's have middle pair of stroke side. Great. Bow, you can get in stroke. If you pass me your row, I'm going to push you off. Can you launch upstream for me, please? And then turn and come down the fairway. Have a wonderful race. Stay close to the left-hand bank, and you'll be fine.
0: I, I think that co- coach is missing an opportunity with um something like a WhatsApp group chat because I'm sure they all had their phones on them that 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 crew and they could have just like all just like opened it up because they'd have been waiting on the start line for quite a while wouldn't they one of these big heads
1: well actually you say that um but on both the morning and the afternoon division on Saturday uh they they got everyone away within 15 minutes of the actual nominated start time. that's because in the Bloody north yeah. we're used to we're used to massive logistical projects you know like building the Tyne bridge or the swing bridge or or you know hewing coal using our teeth and small children. So you know we can't actually get things to run reasonably sequentially and well. trains <laughs> nothing to do with us absolutely okay. nothing we did invent them <laughs> if any man are listening
0: hang on where, wait a second where 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 was what what's his name robert stevenson where was he from
1: are you thinking of robert louis stevenson the man who wrote treasure island are you thinking of george stevenson the man from wylam who invented the steam train
0: that's him was it actually wylam
1: it was actually Wylam. We can actually row past his cottage and do. And we all stop and we take a momentary moment of silence, a momentary moment of silence to salute the man who brought steam and, you know, movement to the masses. And having lived in Manchester, where they go, oh, yes, world's first steam railway. World's... No, you didn't. Stevenson did it years before. You Mancunian gobshite. You are so full of shit. No wonder your eyes are brown. Ooh, ooh. <laughs>
0: that's a ruthless
1: bit of banter but books 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 was amazing and and i remember when i was young so much younger than today when i didn't need anyone's help in any way and now i need it for all sorts of things like kidneys and getting out of bed um i don't know if you remember this quotation loon but there was a thing that was something like youth is youth is Wasted, on, wasted the young, on the young, yes. Like an Oscar Wilde thing or a Winston Churchill thing, and I, I thought, God, how patronising! How absolutely and utterly patronising for an old person to come up with that. And um, I remember as I was launching these these brave young souls off into battle, who were all unfailingly polite uh, and engaging, and you know, listened to what I wanted them to do, and were happy, and they they had rainbow ribbons in their hair. And some of the men had rainbow nail varnish, which, which was very cool. I don't have the guts to try it. I remember thinking of that phrase uh, and I, I, I must say, I, I enjoyed being young and I have a lot of very good memories of it. I have enough nights out on my conscience to, to, to say that I lived a full and good life at that time, but I'd love to do it again, actually knowing that I'm young. Which I, which, and I think that's probably the point of the aphorism. You don't get it until you're older. You can have a wonderful time, but not actually realise how special those moments are. And books was was very special.
0: Marvellous. I, I did, however, hear that it was not all sunshine and roses.
1: Yes. Which brings us on to a slightly sobering point. Uh, I would like to send um, my condolences and my thoughts or our thoughts here at Broken Horse Podcast what, to a young lady who's currently in the RVI hospital receiving treatment. Um, I went down to Tyne United this morning. We're recording this on the Saturday the evening. And uh, the club captain let me know that, be, I think it was uh, in the morning before the actual event started, a bow loading fall was out on the river, um, warming up, getting some miles in, getting to know the water. And someone in a launch, and I'm gonna not use any kind of um, adjectival intensifiers with that, someone in a launch decided to gun it up the river on (sighs) heading up, up towards Newcastle, as far as I'm aware. And they put so much throttle on that the prow of the boat lifted out of the water, so they couldn't see what was in front of them and they went over this 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 bowel loading form um the young lady had to be removed from the water they thought that um she might be dead at the time she was she had to be taken to hospital on a spinal board and she is currently recovering i don't know what the latest is we don't know but we wish her well and we send all of our thoughts to her and i think the 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 thing that I'd like to say is that this is, this is a wonderful sport. We know it's a wonderful sport. It means so much to us and it means so much to, to, to you, um, dear listeners who are, are listening to it, but it only works if we all know, and we are all aware of its dangers, um, and we are all aware of what we're supposed to be doing when we're on the water. And when it comes to things like launch driving, we've all had in fact I had this this very morning with Angelo from Newcastle University some an exchange of words when he decided to come up the wrong side of the river to track his aid's coming back up towards Newburn and and there were words exchanged and some of mine might have had f's in them um but you you have to be aware of what you're doing you have to be aware when you are driving a launch of what the speed restrictions are you have to be aware of the boats that are around you the boats that you might have seen go off but the boats that might be behind you the boats that might have gone off before you that are that are coming up you have to be so so aware because it's what should have been a very very happy occasion um for that young lady might be life changing
0: indeed i mean i would I would say that in general um i don't believe that the kind of the risks to others in particular but also to yourself of driving a launch are equivalent to driving a car i believe there you know you have a lot more ability to speed in a car and there are a lot more chances for something to go wrong or chances for you to make a bad decision Mm. in a car but at the same time i think there can be in the rowing community as a whole. And and I think we should remember, rowing is a very, very safe sport. If you, uh, you know, Cycling Weekly isn't in the news stands anymore, or at least haven't seen it for a while. I think they went um, fully online, but it was a weekly magazine with an obituary section. And they had a lot more members than we did, but there was always someone who'd been knocked off their bike. Cycling is, an example of a much more dangerous sport than rowing um but it is beholden on all of us both i think in an individual level and at an institutional level to ensure that there is no extra or unnecessary risk to being engaged in the sport and i think we are all a little bit blase when it comes to launches. This is a, it is a motorized vehicle. It weighs a lot. It can move pretty damn sharpish. You know, whether it's an inflatable boat, um, a tin fish, whatever it is, there is a real potential for disaster in driving a launch. I think that, I think that clubs and individuals should have, you know, there is the RYA level two power boating qualification, which is not hideously expensive. And I think it is, you can probably, (laughs) you're probably going to save more lives taking that course than you are going to get more pots by taking a level two coaching course you know that I, I i think that at the very least crew uh, co- no, sorry clubs should have a body of experience and long-serving calmness in terms of advice for people to drive launches because the first time i ever went coaching and i drove a launch it was like that's a kill cord that's how you start the engine You push it that way to go the other way. You push the handle that way to go the other way. Off you go. Yeah, very
1: very similar for me. It was, there's the launch, Off, off you go. This does that. This does the other. Away you go.
0: And I don't think it's enough. I don't think the fact that the outing plan can go hang, the boat speed of the eight can go hang, everything can go hang, if you're not being safe in the in the launch so safety in the launch has to be the first thing and i'm reminded i think of two things one that um jez said which is that injuries in rowing should be treated like industrial accidents yeah we 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 shouldn't and and that should that should go for launch crashes you know it's not you know we should sit down we should think about how this happened i think we do I'm I'm safety officer for Spitfire um and I get I get the I get the letter out and I will be getting a letter about this crash it, if not this month then next month when everybody's had time to sit down and digest it but we should think about how we reduce the risk of these things happening and coaching people in using launches I think is a very very big part of that and at no point allowing people to be pressurised into saying, you have to get from A to B in a launch in this amount of time.
1: Yeah. And it, it does, uh, you know, just to kind of follow on from what you are saying, uh, the, the, the point I would add to that is that the law of the land does not stop at the water's edge. So if you are in the launch and you are taking a group of boats out or a group of rowers out, you are legally responsible for what then happens to that group when they're on the water. Just the same as if you are in the bow of a quad, you are legally responsible for the safety of everyone who's in that boat and what then happens going forward. And, um,
0: and that and that in itself, you know, it's um you know, again, it's four or five hundred kilos of boat in a quad. You can mm. get it shifting 15 miles an hour and it's got a pointy bit on the end.
1: Yeah. Um and, and Jack Beaumont would point out having been been hit and and you know very, very seriously injured.
0: Jesus Christ, yes. It and does doing a lot of damage.
1: It does happen. And 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 the other point is as well, to pick up on what you said, Lewin, um we get that rowers are very tribal. It's one of it's one of the reasons we get into this sport is because we find our tribe when we are in this sport and that can that's great that's a wonderful thing it gives us a sense of belonging it gives us a sense of community it can lead to lifelong friendships such as ours although you know we're not at the end of our lives yet but let's be honest it's only a couple of weeks to go so we can call it now um but the reality is that that tribalism can very quickly become our squad our crew our boat our outing you know, our stuff is more important. And we're very lucky on the time. We have a wonderful bit of water. Even when the tide is out, we've still got miles and miles and miles that we can use. But there are plenty of occasions when we have been out, and I'm not going to mention, well, you can draw from the inference because you know what clubs are around us. We have been washed down, bounced around, forced to stop by launchers that are trying to keep up with 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 their boats. And they're not paying attention to what's on this particular stretch of water, where the other boats are, what other people are doing. They just want to be next to their boat. And it causes a lot of issues. The other one is things like circulation patterns and where you should be at various points on the river. We've had, in the since Christmas, we've probably had two or three near misses coming back from Scotswood as other boats are coming down from newburn and they haven't kept the bank on their on their left hand side on the on the on their bow side or they've decided to cut the apex of the corner we've nearly been cleaned out by an 8 uh, when we were in a quad which which i don't know how it missed us because we literally came to rest within feet of each other it must have missed our bowman by a fraction um similarly with the with the 4 that that decided to cut the corner further down and nearly crashed it into us the circulation pattern and the upstream and downstream, um, navigation channels are there for a reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, know your water, um, know who else is out there and keep your eyes open. Know your water, know your environment, know, know your fellow, uh, river users. It's, um, It's not a huge place. We Should we we talk about something chirpier for a bit?
1: Yes, I've got a topic of conversation. Go on then. Can we talk about Alan Rickman's diaries?
0: We can. I have no idea why we would, though. I'm, I'm guessing he hasn't made any recent entries unless there have been some considerable advances in either technology or metaphysics that I haven't heard of.
1: I hear that necromancy is doing wonderful things with, with, uh, <laughs> with our great and how good we've passed to the great beyond. Um, okay, some context. So uh, Christmas happened a little while ago, five or six weeks ago, yeah. and someone very, very kindly bought me Alan Rickman's diaries. Now, I suppose, the, uh, probably thinking that I would enjoy them. Maybe thinking that because I am Lucian and sarcastic and speak in a drawl, maybe we were brothers who were separated at birth. Um, I don't know. I would have played Snape much better than him. I'm fairly sure of that. Um,
0: but you wouldn't have played the, the um, Sheriff of Nottingham because frankly, that was one of the greatest cinematic performances of all time.
1: It's it's up there. It's up there. It's 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 up there with um, Al Pacino in Godfather one and two. It's up there with Marlon Brando in Godfather one. It's up there with Bambi in Bambi, obviously. Um, it's a and Ace
0: Ventura in um, Pet Detective.
1: Indeed, Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey's Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. It doesn't get enough. It doesn't get enough recognition from cinephiles. That's all I'm going to say. I,
0: I, I frankly say the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor went to the wrong man that year. I, I believe Brian that. Adams. I believe.
1: <laughs> well, everything he did, he did indeed do for us, or, or you, I can't really remember the lyrics.
0: Possibly the massiveness of his bank account.
1: Uh, he must have made it, I mean, he must have made a huge amount of wedge, 16 weeks at number one, I, I, and God, what a and song. Back,
0: back in the days when you actually got money for, for people music. playing your songs.
1: Yes, which doesn't happen now. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, people actually had to go and put money... On on the table, and that money would that there was a clear tra- trail between your pocket, Virgin Megastore, and Brian Adams' bank balance.
1: And when you and think they, and of, it,
0: and it was a short and direct route.
1: It was a short and direct route. And when you think of it like that, you realize that one of the most compelling arguments for wiping out our fellow man was just how many bloody people bought that god-awful song. Um Oxygen thieves and tasteless bastards, the lot of them. Um, Like I said, he should
0: never have got the Oscar or millions of (laughs) pounds.
1: Alan Rickman's diaries. Where do you stand on the subject of diaries as things to read? I mean, do you keep one for a start?
0: I absolutely do not because I'm absent-minded and dyslexic and the idea (laughs) of keeping a diary ranks second only to hell. Um, I, I believe that uh, I'm fascinated to have a read of these Alan Rickman's diaries because I mean, first of all, again, the Sheriff of Nottingham, Hans Gruber, Professor Snape, Mm. I think... Alan Rickman defiant yeah you know, men of an age such as you and me <laughs> and and considerably younger Alan Rickman was one of the most quotable individuals of the last 40 years
1: he was but this is the point that I'm coming to and I just have to say truly madly deeply was wonderful a wonderful film if you haven't seen it uh Alan Rickman Juliet Stevenson truly madly deeply Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, Brings tears to my eyes every time, and not just because I'm a soppy old get. And get, I believe, is the northern uh, – I think you'd call them a get down south, but we call them gets up here. Something to do with – <laughs> Something to, to do, do with, to with
0: vowels.
1: <laughs> well, it's something to do with vowels, yes. there's like,
0: There's like – I don't know. There's some weird – you know, roundabout Watford Gap, something strange <laughs> happens to vowels. It's like – it's a metaphysical grammatical portal you go through on the M one,
1: and all of the vowel sounds lengthen out.
0: Yes. Yeah, but no, no. Get you can't. No, I'm sorry. Book it's... and and you've already thrown out book once this recording. Yeah, because a book. I, I it get it. Of it. I get it. There's there's two O's. That's yeah. what book could be Boop. technically yeah. I. I and i understand that you are you have been oppressed for at least does some mental mathematics <laughs> probably 90 years by bbc rp mm. but get has very simple se- spelling and there's no e in there and i don't and and you have no excuses on this one
1: well, actually, as someone who, who you know, has a PhD in this stuff, I'm going to come back with one. And we've got off the subject of Alan Rickman, but this is... We what have. We'll, we'll come back right. to it. We'll come back to it. I think that get is from, it's from Old English or Anglo-Saxon, and it's a Viking term for a a, a bastard. So someone who is outside of the patrilineal bloodline is, you know, is get, the getting of children. So if someone... Uh, yeah, out- yeah, I see what you mean. If someone is an absolute little get, you're basically saying they are a little bastard without saying they are a little bastard.
0: You but know, get means the bastard son of a bastard, surely, and and it's it's its own specific thing.
1: I think if you get into the etymology of it, as you just have, I do think that when you look in the OED, the the actual when you look up "git," it says, you know, bastard son of a bastard. I think that's pretty much where we're. we're
0: yeah. no, I mean, okay, I I shouldn't be arguing this point because I am I'm somewhat out of my wheelhouse with the the English language PhD. Yeah, me um, and me both. <laughs> as, as as I um as, as I say to the kids, I teach chemistry to we don't do spelling here as long (laughs) as you don't spell sulfate with an i you're fine um
1: okay fair enough
0: but anyway alan rickman yeah so brilliant actor one of the most quotable individuals of the last 40 years he will have played some blockbuster role in your mental map of entertainment unless you're like unless you race the bucks this weekend probably yeah his diaries absolutely
1: but that's the point you see he's one of the most quotable individuals of all time um and that doesn't really come across in the diary now i like a diary i I keep a diary um obviously it's at the bottom of the sea locked up with padlocks and guarded by seals because i don't want er anyone to ever read it it's not all flower and roses it's it's the darkest my darkest innermost thoughts, which is why it's being guarded by seals at the bottom of the ocean. And you know me, Loon, I can get pretty damn dark and snarky.
0: Indeed. Um, Made a second cup of tea.
1: Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) You've read it then, you bastard. How dare you swim down there with your massive lungs and, and bribe the seals with sardines. Um, do like, do anything
0: for sardines. <laughs> they will literally do
1: anything. They will, they will go out on a date with you for sardines. Not that I've tried, not that I'm desperate, but, but you know. Um, I like a good diary. If you read Samuel Pepys's diary, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's all about work politics, drinking, bear baiting, wenching, sleeping with people who aren't his wife, urinating in the night, the bastard next door, um uh, cockfighting, syphilis. It's it's actually it's a really it's not just a historical document, it's a great read. If you read uh It's like Torian, our Twitter thread. It, it's basically like our Twitter thread.
0: It, it's only you be, know, not quite as amusing.
1: Not quite as amusing, and his 2K score was abysmal. Those wooden oars really slowed him down. Indeed, um, Alan Clark, the Tory MP, shagbag, racist, intemperate philanderer, but his diaries are a cracking read. Um, even Michael Palin, before he became, you know, his first volume of diaries is very readable. Monty Python wasn't this... Cultural, commercial behemoth that it is now. It was a little niche thing on BBC Two, and he was a struggling, a struggling actor trying to make his way. You know, uh, very, very readable. Alan Rickman, and I, 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 I tried to get into them, but they just were. They just came across to me. And there might be someone out there who has read them and loved them, and I know they got outstanding reviews. I just thought that they were cold and condescending and not particularly witty and very very self-absorbed and i know that you're going to say but that's aaron if you keep a diary you are self-absorbed because you think your thoughts are worth writing down but i just couldn't get into them
0: couldn't i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna say that i i think this may be the the curse of the great actor okay i i, I think if you look at a lot of actors and quite possibly a lot of creatives mm. who you would have felt that you you have an impression of them based on their work yeah and then uh, i wouldn't say i've met a great deal of them um but then you actually read something that isn't their work that they they've been responsible for so so for instance Alan Rickman, great actor, would always want to see him. Then you read his diaries. Mm. And strangely flat and disappointing.
1: Yeah, I think there's something in that. I don't want to name drop, you know, Clang, but I talked to Jarvis Cocker during lockdown, and he said something similar about the John Lennon um the John Lennon letters. I think he he reviewed it for someone. And he, he said he was expecting that this person who'd done so much, you know, in the Beatles and 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 in his solo career, and these moments of transcendent um, genius, this massive cultural impact, that he would he would have some idea about the pro, you know, his processes or, or or how he made this amazing work that changed the world, and it was basically Monday, got up, took Sean to school, went shopping. And it was, it was very, very workaday and very, very quotidian. And I think that, you know, we talked to Pete Holmes recently and, you know, we're looking for the magic bullet that makes rowing easy. I think in in all walks of life, um, both in, in looking for physical fitness or whether, whether you're like a, a person who, who always wanted to, to play guitar or, or write a book or learn to paint. We, we buy these things from these people because we think we're going to get the secret. And actually the secret is they're just as human and flawed and fallible and as quotidian as the rest of us.
0: I'm gonna like sneak off to Google in a second and look up quotidian, but Something um, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I, th- I think there is that F- fundamentally people Creatives, um, exceptional human beings have a certain way of expressing themselves. And outside of that way, I I, I don't think it's entirely fair to expect them to be that exceptional. Uh, I, th- I think this is the thing, you just like never meet your hero- heroes unless your heroes happen to be Eric Murray or Drew Ginn. Yeah, in, or Andy, in-
1: Andy Hodge or Jack Beaumont or Jez.
0: Or Jez. Yeah. Um. In in which case, like, bring them up and have another chat with them, um, because they're great. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I, I,
1: I think you're right. I think there's also something in the fact that these these people who produce who are exceptional in one field, um, they come to our attention. They, um, but they're they're not in control of their exceptionalism. They're very much they are where they are because of a combination of circumstances that are beyond the control of any human being, or we would all be rich, successful actors, rowers, musicians, painters, financiers, or whatever, and amazingly successful in our, in our life. So there is no secret. They're just human, but I just couldn't get into it. Couldn't get into it.
0: There we go. Can I ask you
1: you another question? Go And it is coming back to rowing. I promise you. I mean, eventually we usually get there. You work at a school, I do. You do. So, I'm not going to say you know that that you're down with the kids because let's be honest, they look at you and I now as people that are about to die and leave more space on the planet for them. Um, but you you know what is what is allowed to be said nowadays in terms of what kind of language you can use about certain things and certain concepts and certain people. Would that be fair to say?
0: Um, I'm not. Trying I, I, to well, I, what I would say is that I have a very specific point of view, which is that I I work for what can I only be described as an incredibly posh private boarding school with a very very strong international component. So literally, we've got kids from all over the world. It's boarding school; they're all thrown together in year groups in boarding houses, um, and a, a certain kind of prison mentality, you know, um, you've know, you you've got a bunch of like, what is it, 13 to 18 year old boys, you've got 55 of them, 11 per year group in a boarding house um, with no more than two adults in the house at any one time. There is, you know, it is not Lord of the Flies and they're all fundamentally decent kids um 999 times out of a thousand except so but it is a is a rather rarefied atmosphere so when i say am i down with the kids i am actually down with a certain rather bizarre subsection of the kids in the anglophone world yes okay um and in terms of the things that you can and cannot say I think there are lots of things you can't say. I think there are lots of things they do say anyway.
1: Okay. Let me throw the scenario at you. There is a family gathering. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is a happy family gathering, like a, like a wedding or a christening or a significant birthday. Now for, for some people and indeed some people in my family, they would say that a, a happy family gathering might also be a funeral because thank God the bastard is dead, but it wasn't one of those. It was one of the happy family. Uh, gatherings. That's good. I am in the room. I am mingling. I am working the room. I, I am talking to people I haven't seen for a while. I'm pressing flesh and they're all go going mentally in their heads. I can see them going, God, he looks old now. That's fine. I can take that. I start to talk to an elderly aunt. Now, if you don't know what an aunt is, it's like an auntie, but because I'm talking to Lewin, I've deliberately stretched out the vowel sound to rub in the northernness again. Um, educated lady, about the same age as my mum. In fact, she's one of my mum's sisters. And we're talking away and we're chatting, and it's all perfectly pleasant. The champagne is nice. We, we, we've had the melted breathing that people seem to think is important at these occasions now. And without warning, she very casually drops the N word into the conversation. And we're, my we're,
0: question we're, we're talking about the N word.
1: It's the worst N word you can possibly think of. Okay. Northerner. Now, do I excuse her on the (sighs) grounds of the fact she's old and she doesn't know what she's saying, or do I excuse it on the grounds that she's been down South too long and doesn't know what she's saying? Um, or do you, is that just completely unacceptable? She literally just came out and said, well, you you're a bit of a northerner, aren't you? And I was, I was, I was, uh, yeah. It, it was, it was hurtful.
0: Well, did she used to be a northerner herself?
1: Yes, but she's been down south long enough to have electrocution coaches iron out every single vowel sound that she has. She sounds like she's being strangled when she talks. It's great.
0: So a bit like me in other words? A little bit like you, but okay. but without your I'm sentences. I'm an autodidact on that front. Okay. Yeah. Um, are you allowed to use... Well, you see, if she's originally from the land of the N words, yeah, um, and she's going back. I, I, I think that you can forgive this in just a rather clumsy attempt to appear cool and hip and swinging. Now she's and, back in the hood,
1: right. Are you suggesting that I should reclaim my N word in the way that certain South Central rappers reclaim their N word as a as a, uh, taking the power back?
0: No, actually, I, I've actually got quite strict rules on on um, on that, and uh, I I think it's a forgivable sin, but I don't think anybody should use the N word because it is redolent of. What was it? As Terry Pratchett said, um, the word itself is not a problem. The word is a problem when it is an excuse for the brick that follows it.
1: Yes, and Um, Terry Pratchett... And
0: and I I rather think that um, certain words, we, we should all have an agreement not to use in anything other than the most academic content context okay and, and
1: obviously you know with terry pratchett noam chomsky they're both great natural philosophers so i mean i'm i i like some n words i don't mind being called a northumbrian it, it is the land of my fathers and my fathers can bloody well have it as far as I, i'm concerned there's nothing there but and sheep and rain um but it's just, you know, Northerner, do I embrace this? Some people would, in the way that some academics that I knew in Manchester embraced being left wing to the, the 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 degree, and this is not a joke. They would come out of the lecture theatre, and if going to the, sem- the seminar room involved turning right, they would make a series of left turns around the building to get to the seminar room. And that's when I really knew what tokenism was. This did happen, ladies and gentlemen.
0: No, it didn't. I don't believe you.
1: It did. I could mention the individual's name, but they still work at the university there. Always turn left was their mantra. And they did. Always.
0: Um, Aaron, when do we give up on the dream?
1: Well. I, I've very cruelly had the dream dashed from my lips because I've I've been told that you know I'm a bit northern I'm a bit of a northerner and it's crushed <laughs> you, you my I shouldn't soul. be allowed
0: anywhere near a boat.
1: I shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a boat <laughs> unless I'm in the engine room throwing coal on a fire and about to be bolted in when we hit an iceberg somewhere on the way to New York. That's a really in- that's a good question. When do, when and that's a rowing question actually. When do we give up on the dream of Henley of the dream of making the national squad, of the dream of actually getting in a boat and being able to shovel it down a river.
0: When do we give up, up on what we believe is our ultimate level of greatness in well, the boat?
1: That is a good question. You and I both obviously um, experienced Dennis O'Neill, and one of his favourite sayings it was, "You get what you get." You did. Because at around the time of every 30-minute test or every 5K test or every 2K test, someone would go, oh, but my back, or, oh, but my, I've had a cold, or, oh, but this, or, oh, but that, or, oh, but the other. And Dennis would just go, "Would just say, you get what you get. And what he meant was rowing is, for all it is a magical art, for all it is a transcendent art, rowing is a, a very, very realistic art. You, you are as fast as you are. That's it. Yep. Um, and that's a that's an interesting one, and and the, and I'm going to mention a, a fellow social media influencer, but obviously our our podcast is you know the original and the best. But he was he was on YouTube before us, so take an individual like Cam Buchan. fantastic oarsman, amazing scores, you know, way faster than me, slightly faster than you, even now, Lou, and I will point out.
0: I'm that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to say let's not beat around the bush about Cam Buchan. He is both. A finer physical specimen and a better boat mover than newer I ever were, are now, or ever will be.
1: Yes, and handsome too, actually. And handsome
0: and tall. And handsome and tall. Um, exceptional athlete and and a rather, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, a very affable YouTube personality. So I like it, watching
1: it, this stuff. Yeah. yeah. He has recently been involved in trials for the squad, for the GB squad, and I think he did reasonably well in the first, in the first, um, sculling trial, certainly well enough to be invited back. But I think that after his most recent performance, which led us again, say is a performance that you and I would, would love to be able to do in our dreams. I don't think that he's going forward, uh, um, or he's been invited to go forward for the next round of testing, or to join up with the squad in the next round of training. And he put a post out about um, should he stick with Sculling, which he's currently loving, or should he try and go break back into the squad via sweep? Um, and then where should he do that? Should he should he move to Bath, Bath, Bath? You've
0: you've infected oh. me with southern vowels, Jesus, where? It's in the south. It's actually down south. It's like you can't get
1: much more south. Yeah, but the pronunciation is still Bath. It's not Bath. I'm going to take a bath. I'm
0: I'm, going to take a bath. I'm I'm, I'm, Um, I'm going to take a train over to Bath and I'm going to ask them, how do you pronounce this bloody town? Bath.
1: Well, that's that's because they're all infected with your vowel sounds. But, you know, I'm going to take a bath. It's 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 nearly like a bath. I'm good, like I'm bur, I'm bur I'm, I'm about to bath, I'm about to bath. Um what does Cam actually want to do? He pretty clearly wants to make the squad and go to an Olympics, I would imagine. He 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 would like to make that step. But what if this is as fast as he can go? This is what Dennis would say, you get what you get. This is this is your limit. Rowing. Rowing is one of those wonderful things by doing it, you can find your limits. And by training and work, you can actually move your limits, but at a certain point, your, your limits reach a point beyond which they won't go, whether that's because uh, of physical capacity or whether that's because you, you, you stop when life gets you know serious and gets in the way and children work, start eating it into things, or for whatever reason, you find a limit beyond which you can't go. And when is it time to let that go? Because here's the thing, here's my theory of rowing. I think for some of us and that means all rowers because all rowers I think are brothers and sisters under the skin rowing can be a better version of real life Can
0: I stop you there You can I'm going to say given the number of relationships I've seen in boathouses I hope all rowers aren't brothers and sisters under the skin because that 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 would get a bit internet I didn't mean it an... I, I, mean, it, it, I mean, it's. I mean, let's say, Deccan cousins under the skin. Let, let's go with that.
1: I didn't mean in an, in an East Anglian Norfolk sense. I meant in like a that's tribal Cambridgeshire,
0: sense. Thank you. Uh,
1: well, okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you went. You went to um, Anglia for you, for one of your degrees, didn't you? Sorry, no.
0: And and it was it it was so noticeable. Like cause, you know, any place where you kind of go, where like. The people from the big city, and given that I spent eight very happy years of my life in Norwich, I love the place, Mm. and if somebody offered me a job there, and my wife could get a job there, I'd move back in a heartbeat. Um, Really? God, Norwich is gorgeous, wonderful place, Norfolk, Norwich. It's missing mountains, but it makes up... the only thing it doesn't have is, is is decent mountains.
1: Are you not just saying that because you you went from Norfolk to Manchester and that threw everything into sharper? I've been through Norwich and Norfolk. It's kind of it's like flat.
0: Yes, it is. Uh, okay, so you know you've um you've taken the A14 again, Cambridgeshire. Mm. <laughs> but, but okay, right. This, this is the thing. This is the point I'm trying to make. Um, like any any town that when you sit there and you go as someone from big smoke you're from big smoke i'm from big smoke you kind of you you point to it dismissively and say oh it's full of inbreds there such as norwich and norfolk once you get there once you spend a little bit of time there it's like no 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 there's no inbreeding here yeah none at all actually all the inbreeding is over in this and so and, what, and they got they got a place that like it's like and and for Norwich that was out in the Fens that was out towards Peterborough that that so was basically East Norfolk and Cambridgeshire that's where all the in, inbreeding was.
1: So are you saying that the old joke about what do you call a virgin in Norfolk is actually more applicable to Cambridgeshire?
0: That is what people from Norwich would say.
1: Yes. Okay. And which but case, anyway. Yeah. I take, so I take that back, but I think that, that rowers, we we have certain psychological traits and certain psychological characteristics. And I think that for some of us, rowing is a better version of real life than real life can ever be. And there is always that one more season, one more run at Henley, one more stab at making a particular boat, one more at, 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 at achieving a particular thing. And I think when you reach a level like Cam has, and you are clearly that good. And he is clearly that good. And you are, you are, you are on the edge of it. And you've come so far on this journey to then let go of it is to let go of how you think about yourself and how you feel about yourself and how you define yourself in the world and in relation to others. And that can be very difficult for all of us. You know, you, you see it in parents who, Or, you know, like our parents who retire from their job and suddenly they've been a teacher for X amount of years or they've been a this for X and suddenly they have to, they have to find out who they are again. That must be incredibly challenging.
0: I think it must be. But again, and, and dear listener, I will say that me and Aaron have had, have had this debate before and we did want to bring it to you. Um, but I come down very much on the side that for some for someone like me, I consider myself to be a lifer. I'm I'm going for masters eye category <laughs> in you know does does the maths 2055 sometime. Um, I, I, because fundamentally, I believe that you should be physically active, you should yes. be physically fit, and you should be actually applying stress to your body. Now, I can do that through rowing, or I can do that through another way. Aaron, could you just um, make a sound, because I'm, I'm losing all manner of internet connection at the moment got it and ladies and gentlemen we can't do this seamlessly i'm afraid because we're not that clever um but we had a little bit of a recording snafu last night while we were talking about when when we should give up when we should give up the dream chasing whether it's the, the olympics or all the way down to i don't know um the thames the thames challenge cup well, for me, it, it was always the Brits. I always wanted to win the Brit, bugging it down the boat. And,
1: yeah, well, the Brits, you know, the Brits are proper, the Brits are proper event. I mean, in an eight, it's not really rowing, is it? It's just eight eight blokes, you know, pretending to row. In the four, you actually have to do some work. Have I just opened up yeah. a can of worms?
0: Probably, but, you know, um, I'm fairly sure all the people who complain about us making that point will all... Have coached eights, and all the people not complaining about that particular point or supporting us on the fact that it actually rowing in the four is much harder work will all be rowers who've never done any coaching because coaches love eights because they get their name in there, and nobody remembers the rowers who row in it, do they? That's that is it, very true. Everybody remembers that Harry M- 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 Mahone. coached the 1978 New Zealand 8 or 72 or sometime in the 70s, I don't know. Um, But how many people, I'm not going to say, I'm absolutely not going to say nobody remembers the people who rode in that boat because we both know there are lots of people who listen to this who can, without looking up up on Google, name every single person, including the Cox and the boatman who were in the victorious New Zealand eight of 1972 or 76. Those are the only, but, in but and this is important. Most people in rowing will remember that Harry McMahon was the coach and they I, won't remember.
1: I make it a rule. The, the other memory. nine guys. I make it a rule never to agree with you. Otherwise, it's a very, very short podcast and it's just no fun talking to you whatsoever. But on this occasion, I am going to agree with you. Um, I think that there are places to hide in an eight, which is why when it's done
0: well- <laughs> and- In the bow seat, <laughs> you mean? Didn't, didn't bow? We know. We all know. Every bow seat man listening right now and woman, you're not any better. We know what you're up to.
1: I didn't say that, ladies and gentlemen. That was my I boy. did. He, Hines. he does not live with me. Please send the hate mail to his address, not mine. But. Generally, there are places to hide in an eight, which is why when it works and when everything clicks and everyone is actually working, it is a, it is a joyous song of speed and power. But in a four, as Dan Armstrong is pointing out to us at Turk, you can't hide in a four. You can see who's working and who's not within about a stroke and a half of getting in the boat. It's right. it it is it's the litmus test of your ability. And I know single scullers are now about to spit uh, their morning tea or coffee across the room going but single sculling is an art and a discipline and a practice in a four there are no hiding places in a single yes you can look languid and elegant and all of that stuff but really you're the only person who knows how fast you're going in a four everyone knows if you're pulling
0: or not yep that's true um i would i would say that i have immense and boundless love and respect for all single scullers who are capable of moving the boat with whatever fluidity or lack of fluidity they have, but they are missing that fundamental aspect of working with others.
1: Which is key to rowing. Which,
0: Which is, is key to rowing. rowing and, you know, you, you can, the partnerships formed in doubles and pairs, I know it's not the same as bringing like the eight men together as a single organism. But um, yeah, it's, there is no two ways that, that is the fundamental thing that is missing from single sculling. And again, I love single sculling. I love being a single scholar. I love single scholars, but fundamentally it's an ergo on the water with the talent factor.
1: I think we should end this podcast right now because I can, I can feel the wave of vitriol that will be heading towards us, but it's, it's true. I've seen, I've seen, you know, single schooling is the, is the Acme of the art and the craft and the discipline and all of the things, all of the things that single schoolers like to say about single schooling. But I have seen single schoolers who look like they are having an epileptic fit and they're still moving the boat. But it's not beautiful and elegant and fluid, uh, and and the the apogee, the the zenith of the boat moving art. You can get away with your idiosyncrasies in a single, and and I I have right up to the point where I fell in.
0: Yeah, um, and got molested by a seal, um, because the Tyne is now an incredibly clean river that's full of bloody seals. They probably like how warm it is. Um, do. No, um, no, I I don't I. I'm not trying to do single scullers down, but...
1: Man up and get in the, the proper boat.
0: No, no, not even that. I uh, I just think that there is no fundamental magic in the single scull. Because you part of can, the, magic- you, the The magic of rowing is when you take a crew and make it more than the sum of its parts and you can't do that in a single skull i would agree the magic lies in the blend and 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 in fact no and i i've been out there and i've like turned around and said you know i think i think spitfire should go 100% sculling because we don't have to worry about bound stroke and small clubs should all do this and stuff like that but frankly when it comes down to making a boat be magical making it mo- more than some of its parts it's actually sweep all where that happens um and where you have to compromise and think every stroke it is sweep all rowing coxless sweep all rowing down a difficult river
1: yeah i would agree with that and i'm if dan Dan Armstrong, if you're listening to this, that's not because I was brought up and brutalized in the Agecroft way where, where sweep or was our God or any of those things. I love sculling, I love being in a quad, I like being in a single, I like messing about in a double, but, but I like rowing in a crew, I like rowing in a four, I like rowing in an eight, I like having to blend, I like having to find the thing that makes it click, I like having to work on all of that stuff, I like having to match my output to the person in front of me uh, all of those things, all of those little things. It's like being a musician in a band. You're, 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 you're you're looking to find the point where it clicks and it starts to swing.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I agree. Um, but.
1: Which has got us slightly off the point of, of when is the time to give up the dream? And I think I think you and I would both say that you should never, and this is not, we are not the X Factor, although both of us have it, obviously. We are not pop idol. If you've ever heard us on karaoke, it sounds like cats having their knackers knacked by bricks. Um, But we would say never give up on the dream because you have to use it or lose it.
0: Indeed. and um i i think i'm discovering this particularly at the moment is in that i am i'm i'm doing nothing but indoor rowing training at the moment because i don't have time in my life to get down to the club which is increasingly as the days are growing longer painful and people are talking about races in the summer but all i'm doing is training on the rowing machine and that is bearable and in fact enjoyable and even motivating because I have a goal, I'm training towards something Um, and I think that, I I think everybody needs movement and resistance and all those things and like general keeping fit in their lives for their lifespan if they are to enjoy a happy and full life and if having a dream no matter how ridiculous it is keeps you moving i think that's fair enough if on the other hand rowing is the thing r- rowing should always be enjoyable if you're hating it i i and i do think I, I think that we don't necessarily discuss this enough as a sport, but I think there is way too much, way too many people in the sport who are doing the sport, despite the fact that they hate coming down to the club. They hate getting on the O. They hate going out on the river. They're literally just doing it to win whatever it is they want to win, whether or not they're going to win it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't don't think you
1: should do it if you hate it. It would be fair to say, without mentioning any names or pack drill, and we've mentioned that rowing tends to reward a certain slightly obsessive personality, uh, a a personality that likes the routines and the rituals that rowing brings. We probably have both known people and probably rode with people whose obsession with winning a particular event or a particular race actually dominated their life to the point where it it became, it became like Frodo destroying the ring. It became an all-consuming passion and superb, superb all's people, but how much enjoyment did they actually take from it is another question when, because they were being driven towards attaining A destination. And I listened to a recent interview with Eric Murray, a man who got out at the right time and at the right reasons. And he very rightly pointed out that the journey has to be more rewarding than the destination because the destination lasts a fraction of the time of the journey. So if you're not enjoying, The process that's taking you towards your goal the goal is not going to make up for the fact that you hated the process
0: true very true it is um i would also say that i think if trying to row is the thing that's keeping you from doing active sport so like every third time you get in a boat or on the earth you hurt yourself Mm. it's also probably time to give up
1: it is. And I think that's a, that's an interesting point because when I was younger, and I've already done the so much younger than today, Beatles jokes. So we'll skip nimbly over that, like, like a fairy on stepping stones across the river of doubt and loquaciousness towards the far bank of the point that I'm trying to make. Jesus, Christ, you can tell I've had half a <laughs> glass of beer, can't you? It's, it really knocks my head off.
0: Um, <laughs> it's kind of in there.
1: Um, when I was younger, I thought that I would reach a state where I went, I'm fit. Right. I'm I'm fit now. And actually what I learned from my marathon running mother, who still has, you know, a better running marathon time than mine. So let's, you know, let's put that in context, is you never actually think that you're fit. Um, and let me explain that. It doesn't actually I I thought I'd reach a point where I was fit and it was easy. I'd be able to effortlessly bang X and Y and Z out. You don't. You get faster, it gets harder, it hurts more, but you don't, you you never finish. Fitness never finishes. And that's and that's kind of the point. So the aches and pains that you had when you were younger and you you'd done a year of of training under under Dennis. And what ben used to call you know effortless power and he always said it with a smile because his entire point was to get to the point where you have effortless fitness and effortless power takes a huge amount of effort all of those aches and pains that you had when you were younger they become aches and pains when you are older as well you you, you don't complete fitness you don't get to a stage and go right i can stop now you have to keep going because otherwise it goes and having been quite seriously ill over the last 18 months or two years, when it goes, you really notice the fact that it's gone. And the the alternative is for me to become a couch potato, which is entirely possible. I, I certainly have that in my psychology. I like potatoes. I like couches. It sounds like a win-win. Um, or I go, right. I'm, I'm at the bottom of the mountain. I'm going to have to start climbing again and it's probably going to hurt just as much and I'm going to be very frustrated because I can't do the things that I used to do and I, I'm going to, I'm probably going to run into my self-perception that I should be able to do these things and you have to take on those challenges because it doesn't stop until they put you in the ground in a box.
0: Yeah, you know. Um, and- I'm going to say I posted on a particularly juvenile and childish so- social media site that has a r- rowing subsection in it that... There is no such thing as a fast 2K or a slow 2K. There is simply a 2K where you fall off at the end, or a 2K where you haven't done it hard enough to fall off at the end.
1: Yes. Or or you're big Tom and you get up and make a cup of tea at the end, having just pulled a six or five or whatever ridiculous thing it was. Um so so and and that's the point. You can be 20 and full of vim and vigor and be and be going from Six fifty to six thirty-six to six twenty-six to six eighteen, or you could be like like our friend Tez, who is is coming back from a, from a major issue with his back and has been doing Zoom ergos and is slowly piecing it back together. You could be calm on the fringes of, of the squad and wanting to see if he can break through to it, and if that's making him happy and fulfilling him, that has to be a positive thing. Yes,
0: I think so. I, I think so. I I, I think. A little bit more care and thought needs to be born when you're sort of like spending as much time as Cam is, but you know he's making some pretty darn good YouTube content. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to say keep going, basically.
1: Yeah. So as S Club Seven said, or it might have been, take that. Never forget where you came from. No, that that's take that. That's, the take, one, that. The that's
0: what, definitely take that. Let me take that.
1: S Club Seven, follow your dreams, or whatever it was, and I think their dreams led them into the Big Brother house and a massive scandal about racism. Don't do that, but actually follow your fitness goals and do what makes you happy.
0: I'd forgotten that. God, so, there's some dodgy people in pop music, aren't there? Never mind.
1: There really are. Let's not let's not <sighs> get on, on to Jimmy Page and thirteen year olds.
0: Indeed. Right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our thoughts on this and my increasingly unreliable computer. You have been listening to Broken Oars. Thank you very much indeed, and good night.